0: Hollywood! Action! Hollywood crowd! CD Lamb still running! Hits a corner! CD! For the teeny! People don't know what it is to be champions.
1: Oklahoma invented them. You are listening live! Sunday night in a chilly state of Oklahoma. Wind chills getting into the teens here. Don't know how it was uh, for you down in Durant, Mr. Peyton Guthrie. As always, joined alongside on Through the Keyhole by Peyton and our producer, Matt Burton. Peyton rocking a Dallas Renegades XFL hat tonight. Your, uh, vintage, NFL, vintage. your NFL counterparts aren't doing so hot.
2: No, no, they're not. No, I, I, I guess, I mean... I was never a big NFL guy growing up, to a certain degree. Like, you watched it when it was on. We never had, like, a, a favorite team. But I kind of got stuck with the different Broncos. I was a kid and saw John Elway do the helicopter dive. And I was like, yep, that's the team from now on. So, I've had a pretty good run. But recently, it's been kind of checked out to a certain degree.
1: I mean, I think uh, I think your organization and front office has been checked out, too. Anyways, mm-hmm. Matt, we've had a uh... – We've had a nice week, and I've got to come clean here. I made the comment that Matt had to do post-game show Thursday night for our patrons on the Patreon pod. You can get that at through the patreon.com slash through the keyhole. And I said that you'd be uh, discussing a Thunder team that got its ass kicked by the Brooklyn Nets, and that was far from the case.
0: And I thought so, too. And then, you know, leading up that day, I was like, okay, you know, they're still going to have – they're not going to have Kyrie because the game's in Brooklyn and he's out. Uh, obviously, uh, for obvious reasons. And then it just went down the list like, oh, Kevin Durant's also out. Oh, Joe Harris is still out. Oh, Patty Mills is out. The noted Thunder killer, Patty Mills, and Peyton's Spur. He he remembers those days. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, I don't know what happened uh, besides the Thunder hit 44% of their threes and shot 52% from the field. Uh, you win a lot of games when, you, when that happens. And you hit 23s. 23s for the seventh time. Uh, in the in the whole history of the Oklahoma City Thunder, this team was the seventh team to hit twenty threes. This tanking team, crazy. Your uh your Dookies lost another game, did they? Uh, while
1: back, no, just to just Miami. No, just to Miami. Just to Miami. Oklahoma basketballs yeah. had a uh, rough cup, Rough past couple games kept dude, up with Duke's
0: that been, Duke's been going through the the uh, gauntlet of former OU players you had Cam Augusty they lost to and then Wake Forest Alondis Williams gave him a tough game he is he's going to be an All-American this year he's been going crazy man dude he was their best player he was Wake Forest's best player like by far
1: that's enough of college there's your yeah. college basketball yeah, talk yeah. on the uh through the keyhole <laughs> paper, through the keyhole podcast as always, you guys can find us on all of your podcasting, oh my goodness, the word after that, your podcasting platforms. You can find us on all of those, Spotify, Apple, uh, whichever you have. If you do, even on Spotify now, go leave us a re- nice review, nice little comment, subscribe to the pod. We greatly, greatly appreciate that. And as I mentioned a second ago, if you want some extra podcast, some extra content, some film breakdowns. We've got a nice little eight minute kind of montage of all the transfers Oklahoma has gotten so far Peyton, I don't know if I'm going to find any Wyoming all 22 tapes. So we're going to have to work on that over the next week or so uh, to get our hands on it. But mm-hmm. if you guys want to see some more insight into that, um, you can go to patreoncom slash through the keyhole. Uh, you can check us out there. We we'd love to have you. Uh, We've got a growing community, Uh, Monday post, content during the week, podcasts, Tuesdays, Thursdays, interviews, film, all that fun stuff. Peyton, I said that we'd start off with some uh, way too early list a little bit, just a little look at what some of these people are thinking about Oklahoma. Uh, I'm going to go right off the top here to one of the – I didn't see if they were left out, Um, but they were at number 24 in this list. Uh, with The Athletic from Stuart Mandel. I don't know where, Oklahoma, where I see Oklahoma being. You have all this turnover still. It's hard to project much. I said we wouldn't dive too much into it into February 1st. I stand by that. But we do have some stuff to look at. Where where do you see kind of Oklahoma fitting into the hierarchy of college football heading into the offseason?
2: Well, I think OU- – I mean, it's really hard to tell right now. I mean, like I said, there's too many moving pieces. There's too many things on on the board. We still don't know what's going to happen um, after spring. I, I would suggest to to expect a couple more transfers, probably. You know, after spring ball, you've, you're getting more of a clear uh, picture of what's going to be asked of you to do. I mean, are you in for that? Or are you not? Uh, but I, I mean, OU's always a top 25 team. I mean, they we'd have you'd have to really look at them and say, okay, they're gonna to- to go eight and four or seven and five for them not to be a top 25 team basically i just don't see that happening so i mean if, if i were to rate them like maybe not thinking about any other teams anywhere from like 18 to 23 i think would be a good starting spot for them to be honest with you
1: yeah i i see some of these that like there's some that have them in the top 10 still and it's like banking it off the talent that they had and then obviously seen some that are Uh, like the athletics at 24 behind some teams that I just don't really understand. So Sporting News went to nine different publications and came up with like a composite ranking. Uh, Baylor number nine, Oklahoma number 11, Oklahoma State 13, Uh, USC's in there at 20, Alabama obviously number one, Ohio State Mm -hmm. two, Georgia three, Texas A&M four, Clemson five, Notre Dame six. I, I think that's probably fair in that 11 to 15, 16 range. That seems more than fair and more, and more than likely to happen. Um, so we'll see. I, I just think it's fascinating to look at where some of these people have it because, like, we've talked about the Big 12 privately, and it's just like I your guys' guests listening to this podcast as good as mine. Um, and usually, as Peyton knows, I like to have this stuff taken care of way before January 16th. Uh, I don't like to wait around, so uh, it's been definitely interesting. All right, let's get into some Oklahoma news. I We talked on Thursday about Drew Sanders, the defensive end linebacker type transfer from Alabama that was once committed to Oklahoma out of the DFW area. Um, I don't know necessarily – I don't remember the links of our conversation, but I saw your tweet today. Coping with a loss. There's all this. <laughs> there's a list of checklist of things you can go through if you want to go through there. Uh, Oklahoma was in it for Drew Sanders. He took a visit. He commits to Arkansas. Uh, I'm just going to say from my perspective here, and I think you know where I'm going to go with this because we've talked about it. Um, I still don't know if like he has a position in like the realm of where we're at in college. He's like a three-four outside linebacker, like a Sam outside yeah. linebacker, and it's just like I. You see some of the tape, and I can shoot shoot some to you, even to you guys while we're talking about this right now. But, like, he doesn't – unlike a lot of the Alabama guys, and I'll just say this, that this was a kind of a turnoff for me. From what I've watched, and I broke down the Alabama-Florida game from this year, where Florida's offense had a lot of success, specifically running the football, he's not a violent football player. And you would think that his size and his athleticism that he would be, and considering – you know, kind of the position he plays, but ultimately he goes to Arkansas. Peyton. optics not great. I think Oklahoma is going to be all right.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think Oklahoma is going to be okay itself. I mean, th- th- I've had some talks with some some of my friends about the schematic fit for him. I mean, I mean, he could fit. You could make him fit. I mean, Brent could say, all right, we're gonna we're gonna say three down to have one stand up, and that's going to be your spot. You're going to be kind of like the edge guy. Even then, he would still need to put on some weight, um, but I just don't see him being a true inside backer um, uh, in the in these spots. Uh, that more four two five, you know, basically because it's a four three. But that one guy is kind of a, a nickel, kind of a back t- to a certain degree. Uh, I just don't see him where he fits in this this defense unless you really tell him, hey, if you bump up fifty pounds, we have an option for you, <laughs> or you lose twenty and we see if you can keep your speed and you see if you get a little speed and, you know, get some Twitch. And then we have a spot for you, you know, playing kind of a space backer type thing. It's never seemed like it was going to fit. And honestly, I mean, the optics of it is bad. Um, The idea of like, well, here's a former five-star player who used to be committed to OU to play tight end now, not to play defense, but now he'd be transferring as as a defensive guy and he, he chooses, he chooses Arkansas over Oklahoma. And it's like, man, what is what does Oklahoma become that Arkansas is now getting these five star players that Oklahoma can't get? And and even then it's a defensive player. You know, that's supposed to be Brent's calling card. If he truly is not fit in the scheme and the system, I can kind of walk my way through it. Cause I've said this many times on the podcast that, you know, college football programs, you kind of get stuck. Like OU has been running like a a rushbacker type guy for Almost a decade now because they got Eric Stryker that one time. And now it's kind of like, well, you keep recruiting that spot and it kind of you kind of get stuck doing it. And it seems like Brent really doesn't want to get stuck with this rushbacker position. It does seem like he wants two traditional defensive ends on the field to a certain degree. And he wasn't going to force something to fit into his system when it just wasn't going to work. It wouldn't be good for Drew to play out of out of position for his, you know, his future. And there's a spot just right next to him in Arkansas that, you know, would feature him quite well. So, I mean, riding to the sunset, going to the hills of Arkansas, hopefully make some money in NFL. But it's just not – was wasn't going to work out that way at Oklahoma, I, I don't think, long-term. I mean, optically, I really wanted them to happen. I mean, what's your read on it, Keegan?
1: Well, the dogs decide to have a barking match, so hopefully you can hear them while, uh, while I'm saying this. But uh, I, you know, one of my main things is that, like, if Oklahoma, like you're saying, is already kind of stuck, you've got Brent Venables is going to have to start a guy like Clayton Smith. Um, And whenever you already have that kind of taken care of and you want to move away from it, like you're kind of creating a log jam at that Mm -hmm. position. And uh, I'm with you. I, I still think, and there's still one aspect of this that doesn't make a ton of sense to me quite yet. It's a puzzle piece that the R Mason Thomas, I brought this up multiple times. Like he is a Nick Benito, Eric striker, oboe, unquote type, like get him on the end of the line of scrimmage and let him rush the quarterback. And that's all he needs to do, even though he's not, you know, six foot four, 260, 270, you know, 280 pounder, kind of like what he had at Clemson. So unless Brent was going to run a different style of defense, where like a guy like Reggie Grimes Right. Which is kind of where I thought drew Sanders was going to project to eventually, you know, maybe he, if Reggie Grimes is a stand-up guy, sure. But I want Reggie Grimes at a three point stance. I want his hand in the dirt and mm-hmm. I want him to be able to set the edge. I don't, you don't want Reggie Grimes dropping in coverage all that much. Like to your saying I'm with, Like I like the position. I think it has value in our sport. And I think as we continue to grow and evolve that, that rush backer kind of position is going to be a thing. I mean, Alabama's going to run it for this year for the first time that they've may have ever done it. I mean, once they found out that Will Anderson was as good as he was, they just said, screw it. We're going to put you out on the edge and let you do what you want. Um, but those kind of guys are few and far between out there. Um, Nick, I mean, when they landed Nick Benito, Peyton, I mean, people forget that. I mean, he was not an edge rusher. Like Mike no. Stoops had him as a Sam outside linebacker playing in space. And so like those guys just are so hard to find elite elite ones that can change the game like like joseph osai right like a lot of people like i think you've seen what his nfl career has been like so far like he was really good but he wasn't game changing every single week good like what a nick benito has been for oklahoma and this and that so to what we're talking about yeah i don't I don't see Drew – I don't I don't value Drew Sanders more than I would value Clayton Smith at that position, mm-hmm. even though we haven't seen a ton of Clayton Smith quite yet. So I just didn't – I didn't understand it. And I think whenever you – kind of like you said, you look at Arkansas and what they're, what they're losing and kind of the position, the defense that they run, they're missing a guy like Drew Sanders. Bad. Regardless if he's an elite pass rusher or not. Uh, and I lean on him not being one even if he's not like they need a guy like that so badly to be able to come in and be able to set the edge. I mean, they've just gotten crushed uh, against the run later on in the season every year. So uh, it's a great fit for him at Arkansas. The thing with Texas, again, if they were going to go to that peso defense and get him and Mathis on the field together. Great. I uh, go against the fact that that's going to happen. Um, so it's definitely going to be one of those things where, like drew sanders is gonna go to arkansas he's gonna have some success we'll see what happens i lean on oklahoma being okay um, from a scholarship perspective jeffrey johnson payton defensive lineman from tulane big body some people may have seen me tweet something about heights and weights i will say he's listed at 6'3 i can confirm he is like six one and a half maybe but he's 300 pounds and he moves extremely well uh, i i Payton, I just think he needs to be coached. Like I, nothing against the Tulane coaching staff at all. Like I don't, I'm not in the, I'm not in the profession. I don't develop players. I don't. That's not my job. It's not what I do. Uh, but from a conditioning perspective and just overall technique perspective, definitely something that I'm like, man, he could use some Todd Bates and Jerry Schmidt.
2: Yeah, I mean, and that's also the type of player. You know, I, again, I don't want to make it seem like I'm, I'm trying to, like, downplay the idea of oh, OU missing out on five-star linebackers and five-star players and losing out on, on elite talent. But, you know, as we've been kind of harping on the idea of Brent bringing that Clemson protocol over to OU, which is get the people who fit what you do and then do what you do. You know I mean? Don't try to make people who, you know, to stop trying to make the square fit in the circle. You know, get squares, put them in the square, and, like, Stack up wins that way, uh, and eventually you'll start getting very good players who fit those roles, and uh, you know it'll slowly build um, success after success after success. But if you're having to be, I mean, that's like the, the the fallacy of being like a flexible guy, which is like if you're just so flexible, then you really don't have an identity, and it's really hard to build the identity um, off of this stuff. And and it's super hard to be that flexible at the college level anyway, because you can only have those players working for so many hours anyway i mean they are limited in the nfl you know you can have these guys just working non-stop you can have 100 staffers working 20 hours a day cutting tape and everything so it's just a little bit different but to your degree here jj the defensive tackle um oh you need some big bodies uh if ou is really going to start moving this way start moving more of that brent way uh you need some big boys up front to stop the run game i mean that, that's the sneaky way how this rpo stuff to a certain degree works against these big 12 type defenses and stuff like that is usually a little bit lighter up front, usually a little bit trying to play speed and stuff like that. And they try to make you make a decision while they're still making their decision. So then they can decide the right decision. I mean, if you can force somebody's hand, you can always make the right decision, but if you have enough big bodies that can just occupy space and get into the backfield every once in a while, it kind of like cuts off half that RPO just to begin with, you know I mean? So, I like where Brent's going, you know, build the wall to a certain degree, uh, not to get political, um, but it's where it is and what is what OU seems to be trying to go for. So I'm all about it. And, yeah, maybe he needs to be a little bit of a a different type of motor to him, some different technique skills and stuff like that. But OU doesn't need to um, – I mean, this type of grab needs to be uh, celebrated, celebrated by OU fans, to be honest with you.
1: It is. And I think it, yeah, I think it should be. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, we've showed some things and I've showed you a couple the same clips that we have up on the Patreon page. I mean, he's got some freaky stuff, man. I mean like getting driven off the ball and then getting thrown down and thrown that offensive lineman off of him and run, almost running down and making a play. I mean this, he, and I said this on the, on our Patreon post. I mean, of any of the guys that they've got so far, he has the highest ceiling he could be, a much different player than what we saw at Tulane. And that was a good player. Like this is a, this is a guy that is going to come in and push. And I think competition more than anything with what we're seeing with how many defensive backs they're bringing into the backfield, Peyton, you know, Jeffrey Johnson's a guy that can come in and get in the mix with a Jordan Kelly and a Corey Roberson and an Isaiah Coe. Now, if he's starting over Jalen Redmond, then I guess I don't know what I'm watching over the last couple of years So I would imagine Redmond's pegged into his spot, but like, I don't think, and we talked about this on, on Thursday, Peyton, I, I don't, I don't think that they're bringing in an experienced guy like him that has the talent that he does, you know, considering the offers that he had, I mean, he had a chance to go play, you know, back at home with LSU and he chose to come to Oklahoma and play for Todd Bates. And, you know, I don't think they're bringing in a guy like that if they don't expect him to come in and compete to start. And, Uh, they need, they're going to have to get him there. And so this is going to be a great evaluation, like in year one for the staff and for this defensive staff and Jerry Schmidt of, this is a guy that should come in here in the next, you know, if he, he should be here in January. Um, I know that's not the same. Doesn't sound like that's the same stipulations for a lot of people or not for a lot, for uh, at least one other transfer that's coming in. We'll talk about him in just a sec, but I mean, you've got six months here to mold, this guy into something and he's matured he's got a lot of experience and a lot of snaps and i'm excited i'm excited to see what they're able to do with them because i think it'll be a great barometer for how this defensive uh todd bates and, and brent venables this defensive staff and jerry schmidt develop a guy and and like i said like i i like what we saw from isaiah co Does, if they could find someone that's better than him that obviously mm-hmm. raises oklahoma's ceiling um, to what their defensive line can be after losing guys like Perry on Winfrey. And uh, I had some draft people reach out to me, Peyton, over the last 48 hours and was like, man, was Winfrey this much of a roller coaster early in the season? And I was like, yes, absolutely he was. So if they could find a guy that's a little more consistent. Uh, Johnson, you know, like I said, just a kind of a final eval before I throw it back to you to get your final comment on it. Um, strong. Uh, he doesn't have you know, super long arms but he's strong as hell. Uh, he plays with great effort. I showed those two plays against Oklahoma. Those were back-to-back plays where he, you know, is not a part of the play and still wants to be a part of it and running guys down 40, 40 yards downfield. There's a lot to like about Jeffrey Johnson. I know this is very long-winded, uh, but there's a lot to like about him. And I, I'm excited to see what the staff can do with him.
2: Yeah. I mean, the, the only thing I can think about is this, is it's, it's just a process. I mean, what OU you doing is doing right now? with these type of transfer portals that we've gotten in, and we're going to talk about a couple more is that there's laying the foundation. So, I mean, as OU fans, you know, and, and myself personally, you know, it's hard to look at other players going to other places when you feel like they should be coming you know, to Oklahoma, just realize this is foundation building. Um, and it will eventually turn out the way we want it to turn out. I mean, you don't go to the gym once do bench press one time and look in the mirror and you've got like, you know, you look like Adonis. It just doesn't work that way. It's part of the process. It's step-by-step, day-by-day. And I think that's kind of where OU is right now. And that's not to belittle um, you know, be, be, uh, belittle, uh, Johnson there, but I, I think it's just going to be um, maybe a bit of an adjustment period for OU fans. I th- you know, they kind of want the nightmare to be over. <laughs> you know, they want the good players coming in. They want the, the five-star guys coming in to kind of get us over the Lincoln Riley stuff finally. They can kind of put it to bed themselves, but just trust the process step-by-step. You know, we're going to get there in the
1: end. It is certainly interesting. And the interesting part, Peyton, is their interest in bringing in a load of defensive backs. First one this evening pops before we record. uh, In Wyoming corner, C.J. Colden, six foot one. Officially, Wyoming was not lying. With their measurements for uh, for their one of their top corners and defensive back. six foot one hundred and eighty pounds, uh, guy who estimated running in the low four sixes, high four five. So he's pretty athletic. Um, I haven't watched much of him yet. He did have ten PBUs a year ago, Peyton. And I think this makes a lot of sense. Whenever you kind of thought before Le'Veon McCutcheon entered the transfer portal, it was like, okay, they're going to roll with you know McCutcheon and Graham next year or McCutcheon, Woody, you know, Woody, Washington, and Graham. So now you have a third guy with experience um, alongside Jaden Davis uh, mm. that could be in the mix to start for Oklahoma, but more than anything, you don't just have Joshua Eaton and Jaden Davis in the wings.
2: Yeah, this is the area, I mean, OU had, what am trying to say here? O, OU needed defensive linemen, offensive linemen, and defensive backs any and obviously quarterback <laughs> but anything anything other than that is just gravy to be honest with you which it would just be jump starting jump starting this foundation lane building that we're talking about but th- this is great i mean oh you need bodies here they need depth they need people who can make plays people who have um you know who have experience and knows kind of what it is to make plays and, and kind of graduate up to the next level um you know maybe that's a little bit different than you know, us picking up like an LSU kid or getting a Bama kid maybe on the way down or something. This is somebody who's potentially coming on the way up. You know, they, they've proved themselves. They've outsized their talent to where they were. And now they're kind of graduating to the next step of the game. So, I mean, that's where OU is right now. Um, I'm trying to find the tweet. It, it, was, it was somebody. It was like Josh M. maybe but somebody asked if he was any good and he, he tweeted out his, his sports, his stats and it showed all of his tackles, CJ's tackles. And I was like, well, that's not what I want for my corner. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to show that Earth. he's at 70 tackles. That's horrible. I mean, is he playing corner? Is he looking at, is this just a defensive back in general, or is you think he's really being slotted into one of those corner spots?
1: I, I know one thing and we'll dive into Trey Morrison in here in just a second, but he is certainly a safety. So I would imagine that this guy's played corner, I haven't watched any of them. I'm being, again, mm-hmm. I am heading into this very ignorant into this conversation about CJ Colden. but I would imagine based off the fact that Trey Morrison is surely going to slide into the back end of that secondary, that mm-hmm. that Colden is going to be a corner. And so, and again, it just makes sense. Like I, I'm looking at my, our, our scholarship chart, I'll say our here um, where you know you've got jane davis woody washington joshua eden and dj graham and kendall dennis and that's all you have so yeah. it, it makes a lot of sense that you bring a guy in with experience if he pushes for a starting spot great if not you've got a guy that's got a load of experience um behind these starters
2: yeah i mean that's what you gotta go for i mean i think OU, like i said some some of the other stuff is just would be gravy on top of it. But if OU walks away from this weekend and they're able to announce three defensive back commits, they're probably thinking, Hey, you know, we accomplished our mission. We've solid, we've solidified enough bodies in the back end that we think are talented enough and, and can play at OU. And we have enough numbers now that we can rotate guys in and out. If certain, if certain people aren't working, or we have a couple of guys who go down, you know, we, we can survive uh, the years. I mean, yeah, it would have been really cool to get a couple other guys. You know, it has dart and trig. They haven't pulled the trigger yet and all that kind of stuff. To me, all that stuff is just fun stuff on on top. You needed to get these defensive backs. You needed to get the um, defensive tackle that came in. It'd be really nice if the uh, TCU uh, offensive linemen were to pull the trigger as well. Uh, But it is kind of what it is right now. I think OU has set stuff up in a good spot for next year to be a, uh, you know, an Oklahoma-style rebuilding year to a
1: certain degree for sure let's dive into Kenny walker the defensive back from louisville played 15 snaps true freshman season in 2021 he was originally committed to jeff halfley in boston college i'm that's all i'm good develop him. (laughs) you know this i mean like there's what there's probably a 10 to 20 to a dozen schools in college football that like if a kid has an offer from there i'm like okay he's probably pretty good like you mm-hmm. uh, it's like UAB, uh, Boston College is now one of them, but again you go down like Kansas State, Baylor, uh, UAB, I just mentioned UAB a second ago. Uh, Utah, one of them. Um, Oklahoma State, I- Iowa State, you know, all those schools that have do a really, really good job evaluating UTSA, Louisiana when Napier was there now he's at Florida. Um, Jeff Jeff Halfley wants this guy to come play DB for him.'m I'm, I'm good with that. He got Jaden Woodby to transfer from Florida state to Boston college um, former uh, that's a blasphemy recruiting past Jaden would um, be. But like I said, this guy, six foot one, I don't know his official measurements. He's listed at six, one, I think a buck 75 was at Louisville for a year. He played 15 snaps as a true freshman uh, again, more depth needed. And that's what Oklahoma desperately needs, especially if with Gentry Williams shopping himself around. Still, Oklahoma needs to guarantee they can get another corner in um that you can start to develop and maybe turn into
0: something
2: yeah and also just kind of continues the trends of just getting larger on the outside i mean over six foot you know he will probably bulk up to 180 185 pretty quickly uh with oklahoma's new strength and conditioning so i mean this is where we're at i mean these are all bonuses in my opinion the thing is we don't know who they are and so that's kind of the hard part i mean we're like who is this guy what's his name i'm not used to it um but at the same time oh you kind of fell in love with you know fans and and we ourselves kind of fell in love with names beforehand that were supposed to be good they turned out to be kind of whatever so just let's just wait until these guys get on the field and you know like you said it fills it out he's you know he's a he's a kid he's George from Georgia from Douglas County High School I mean that can help out down the line in a longer way as well get another foot in the door in the Georgia and the SEC country for recruiting pulling these kids out of you know out of the high school ranks of waiting for them to transfer out and I think it, I think we're just where we're at with these guys. I'm pretty I'm pretty pleased with that where OU is after this weekend.
1: The one guy I'm excited about, an, ext- an instinctual, cerebral, watches, sees what's coming. You can tell he watches tape. I wish he was a half-step faster. My God, he would be fantastic uh, if he was a low 4.5s runner. DB Trey Morrison from North Carolina. Peyton on the first drive against Virginia Tech, he played corner, he played nickel, and he played safety on a 10-plus play drive. This is a guy that's going to slide back to safety. We've got some nice clips of him. A sure tackler, uh, really wants to get his nose dirty in the run game when he's playing uh, at least in the back, like in a too-high safety look, really wants to get his nose dirty in the run game, Uh, makes tackles at a high level, covers really well. Uh, He is so smart. We did highlight one play from that Virginia Tech game this year where he struggled to turn and run from a nickelback position on a slot fade. but that happens. I think he's really, really smart. I like it. I, I think this is a guy that of all the transfers that they're after right now, Peyton, a guy that can step in and probably has the most immediate impact. Like I from what I've I've done some digging on him, I like this is a guy that could come in and be a captain for Oklahoma next year. Like that's how high caliber of a person this guy is. Um, listed at five nine, just north of five nine, I think yep. hundred and eighty pounds. He is thick though. Like I don't know with the K or two C's, but I I love watching the tape, man. I I loved what he had. I loved what he showed. Um got two North Carolina games that I've watched, but it's uh only two. But I I really, really like what Oklahoma may be getting in Trey Morrison.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a guy of experience.
2: He's someone who can walk in and play. He's also he's also in the neighborhood where Brent was. So you know Brent was on top of this kid, knew about this kid. Uh, did he have a Clemson offer? Was he offered by Clemson by any chance? Do we know?
1: I can, I can check that.
2: So, I mean, in my assumption is that he's probably was recruited by them in some way, shape, or form, or at least you know, in contact with. Uh, it does not look like he had an offer by them. Um, but he's a, he's a local area kid. You know, Clemson obviously recruits, recruits to Carolina, so Clemson would have known about him. Brent would have known about him. So this is something I'm okay with. If, if Brent wants to pull him in, I feel pretty good about that. And like you said, he's um, – you Well, know, North Carolina says he's 59.25 and 190. So, yeah, he's a bigger boy. Uh, also, again, another kid from Georgia. You know, OU's just making sure it's getting a lot of these southern kids on the roster as soon as possible. you know, it looks like, and that's only going to help, you know, only going to help OU in the long run as well, as well in the short term. This dude could potentially be a starter, uh, you know, he's ACC all honorable mention that helps out. I mean, having this type of backup stuff, having these guys in depth, having these guys in camp to compete, this is, this is how you build, this is how you build teams that can, that can compete for conference championships.
1: For sure. I mean, I, I look at what Oklahoma, Is in the secondary at least heading into the offseason. I mean, you got a guy like Key Lawrence, and outside of that, like, do you feel good about anything else that's back there heading into the year? You've got Justin Broyles back, you got Bryson Washington, Billy Bowman, Jordan Mukes, and DeMon Harmon. Like, I think the world of Harmon, I think Harmon's gonna end up being a good player. Uh, he's got great ball skills, really instinctual, could be a good safety for him. Um, but you get a guy like Trey Morrison in, I again, I think this is a guy that can come in and take a spot uh, in that secondary. Now he's very familiar, not very familiar. He's very similar to Billy Bowman in his role. So we'll see how Mm -hmm. that works, works itself out. Um, but outside of that, like I, again, I think Bryson Washington can still be a good player. I think Jordan Mukes. I still think we haven't seen the best of him or Demon Harmon. Uh, but I don't know if we were going to see the best of those guys in 2021 anyways, or in 2022 anyways, got a guy like Morrison, I'm with you. I think it's uh, I I personally I think it's one of the bigger gets that they've gotten, um, in the portal. Want to touch on uh, Jackson Dart and Aston Martins and Michael Trigg and hanging out in the snow and Lane Kiffin. Ooh. Seen that?
2: Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Once 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 he said he wasn't going to uh, cancel that that visit. Uh, you know, I instantly got getting a little nervous, but I, I think oh, OU. I mean, everyone seems to think OU is in pretty good position with him afterwards. So I, I gotta hope it's holding on, but I don't know. Lane, Lane, Lane seems to be a pretty good closer.
1: I think they got a little. They got one thing to offer that Oklahoma can't with Dart. and it's an immediate starting squad. Yeah, and that's we know from following recruiting over the last four to five years, Peyton. This is where we're going. QB recruiting is all about. It's as much about, you know, revolving chairs, good Lord, all my phrases are completely off tonight. Uh, But I think whenever you look at the landscape right now, Ole Miss makes sense. But, again, this kind of goes to the whole, like, if I were advising someone, right, like Ole Miss has a brand-new OC, their head coach is being linked to NFL jobs. Um, I know he turned down the Vikings interview. But, like, their offensive line, they're losing a lot. Their skill guys are still down. Um, You lose your best running back. There's – I don't – and, and again, I've, I showed this. I think I timed those tweets perfectly. I posted the really good Jackson Dart clip in which I don't know if that guy running up the seam is open. That's why my response was like, I, I wish I had the All-22 for this. Um, I don't know if that guy's open even from the uh, normal broadcast view. But
0: mm-hmm. then you
1: top that with he should have thrown three picks against BYU and all three of them were dropped. And so yeah. it's like there's still some maturing and developing he needs to do. And I don't know – Like, personally, I don't know if that guy needs to be starting behind a non-stable offensive line at a place like Ole Miss and in a conference where, I mean, you're going to be running for your life um, if you have a bad offensive line. And, again, I just – the process doesn't make much sense besides the fact of a me at starting position, uh, you know, NIL money. Obviously, Ole Miss was in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Ole Miss was always willing to spend the money to get kids have for a long time and so that part of it makes sense, but Peyton, I do want to take note of something. I do appreciate that this coaching staff at Oklahoma is a lot like the last one, and that they're going to land every single recruit.
2: <laughs> yes. yeah. If you can just land all the guys they want, and then also land all the guys that other teams want, we'd be in a lot better place, to be honest with you. It'd be a lot easier to talk about this stuff. We'd be going, but no, uh, look at that Dart tweet, so if anyone doesn't know, go follow Keaton on Twitter. He has a little uh, video of of, of uh, it's where they who are they playing against? Are they playing against Duke? By BYU. Oh BYU! Oh yeah, yeah. That's when they're wearing the royal colors and stuff. And if you pause that, he's throwing it to the thing. He just feels the dude to his side and doesn't throw up because he feels like he's about to get hit. He totally had time. That's just pocket awareness. That dude's open. uh He's totally open. <laughs> unless there's unless there's a safety coming on the all twenty two, then yeah, sure. But in the yeah, broadcast that, that's all. I, that's broadcast all I is open know. and he's about to throw it. Just he 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 feels that dude coming right to the edge on him, and just decides to tuck it instead and kind of bail around. Which you know that that's that is a hard part about being a quarterback is you know I'm expecting you to stand in a pocket and throw football as somebody's hitting you. <laughs> I'm expecting you to throw football as you have a three hundred pound dude lunging at your legs. I mean. I'm expecting you to do that that's hard to the not because you you know our bodies are, you know we have a mindset of protect your body you know sur- survive get out of here i'm in danger uh but that's just young stuff that's that's somebody not being potentially used to being in the pocket and all that type of stuff from a he just uh, said throw with anticipation level.
1: to make that yes.
2: simple oh for sure yeah he could throw that immediately and it would have been open but yeah yeah but no i mean he he's a good guy and i was watching i mean i was watching some of his stuff and I just don't know. I mean, I'm on a couple of different Discords and, and Twitter groups and stuff. And it's like, man, it's dart or bust to a certain degree. I, I don't know if that's necessarily true. No. Uh, he does seem like he's a dude he's gonna need a little bit, he, regardless. In my mind, if I was if I were his agent talking to him, I'd say, and this is me like a complete homer. Like if I'm if I'm his agent trying to pitch Oklahoma to him, I mean he doesn't want to go to Oklahoma, go to Oklahoma set for the year, com- I mean, compete for the job, but no, you may have to set for this year, but no, it's going to be good for you to do this. You know, you're going to need to to soak this stuff up and, and figure it out. But uh, if it's only going to, uh, you know, if it's, if he's only wanting to do the stuff where he's starting immediately, then yeah, go to Ole Miss.
1: I'm with you. I I am of the belief that, If Jackson Stark comes to Oklahoma, I still think he started Dylan Gabriel for two reasons. One, for everything you just mentioned, the two games that I've watched, um, people that look up Jackson Dart's stats, might be mindful of two things. The Arizona-Arizona State game, him and Keaton Slovis were switching off every other drive. It was maddening. And then in the Cal game, USC had like 40 scholarship players, including hardly any of their receivers or skill talent. So I looked and watched the Washington State game. Washington State's defense is terrible. Um, BYU game, and I, and I think UCLA is the other one. And Peyton, weird enough, because Fox sucks, uh, you cannot find the ucla USC game from this year anywhere on the internet for free, I guess, which is just mind-boggling. So I'm with you. I think he needs time. I'm kind of of the same belief of come to Oklahoma, let the offensive line figure itself out because we all know Bill Bedebone Oklahoma takes about three to four five weeks to get, to get who he wants in there and get things settled. Um, I just wouldn't start him. I, I don't want a guy that's uncomfortable that doesn't know the playbook and can't play with anticipation and play, you know, free of mind and all those, all those fun things uh, behind an offensive line. That could also be very unstable and give up a lot of pressure early on in the year. Like it just doesn't sound good to me. And so I'm with you. I don't think it's dart or bust by any means, um, but I will say if they don't land dart, that puts a lot of pressure to land a guy like Jackson Arnold out of Denton Guy or uh, the high school quarterback recruit four-star guy to the DFW area that was up a couple weekends ago, Peyton. It just puts a heightened importance on who they land in the 2023 recruiting class, which Oklahoma's always recruited good quarterbacks. So, I mean, yeah. I, it's not Reed necessarily Archie. a concern of mine. Well, they're in Doesn't the sweepstakes. They better have about five hundred thousand Manning bucks ready to yeah. uh, ready to spend when he drops. Yeah, they've it. got.
2: Yeah, they've they've got their Powerball lucky numbers. You know, if we just hold on, it, it might be us. No, yeah. I mean, if he, if Dart comes in, I think that actually helps with the. It helps with OU's quarterback timeline because let's say he does come in. I'll try to break it down how I think about it. Let's say he comes in. He sits for a year. He loses a competition, an open competition. Loses it not because of talent or anything, just, you know, comfortable, you know, Dylan's more comfortable in the system. He knows what's going on, gets even better positions to play. And maybe he kind of comes in a little bit at the end of the season or something like that. You know, if things aren't kind of exploding the way they should be. And then he plays that next year, Dylan Gabriel rides into the sunset, does whatever he's going to do. Um, and then Dar gets to play. And all that time, if Levy can hold on to Evers, it helps Evers out, allows him to be in that system for two years before he then gets his chance you know, third year on third year on campus and a program and stuff and really kind of builds this stuff out and kind of gives you a clear timeline of um, of quarterback play, because in my mind, Dylan and Dart would each be one to at the very most two year starting rentals um, at that point in time.
1: For sure, for sure. I, I think that when you again, you look to the future just a little bit. Dart, I think, opens up that window just a little bit if all things come together in 2023 where the offensive line this upcoming season should return a lot in the next season. Um, And you kind of always want to be able to bank on that and be able to have everything in place when you have that opportunity. And so Dart can be a guy that gets them to that point, but I don't think it's the end-all be-all, especially considering before we finish up the transfer portal stuff, let's just say this. Say Caleb Williams goes to Georgia, Peyton. There's going to be some dominoes that fall from that that could be very fruitful for Oklahoma. A guy like Gunnar Stockton that's going there. Um, A guy that you've heard me talk about before that Oklahoma has had hardly any contact with. I think this kid's a freaking stud. And I don't want him to obviously waste away at Georgia. But at the same time, like, there's – even if they – say they don't land dark. And say they don't land a top 2023 quarterback, Peyton. The portal is showing us at least one position every year. The quarterback position. You're going to be able to find a guy in the portal, young or old, that can fill that gap for the time being. And so, again, I don't. I'm with you. I don't think it's a do or die situation for them at all. I I think Dart's a good player. I obviously the talent and the upside is visibly there. I mean, he's got if. If he can get his knee healthy, and it looks like it is, he's not walking—you know—walking around with a brace on anymore and doing that fun stuff. If he can, if he puts all those pieces together, he's going to be fantastic. But it's an if thing; it's not a win. And I think that's an ex- important distinction to make. Um, let's stick with the transfer before we dive into the uh, nonsense that happened over the weekend. Um, Michael Trigg, another name that mm-hmm. that was with Jackson Dart was at USC. Uh, From what we – from just listening to the unofficial 40 and knowing the Sooner Scoop guy, sounds like there was a push out of high school to get Trigg to Oklahoma. Uh, They were very non-receptive of that idea, the former staff was. This staff is not. Trigg, interesting case. I think he's a lot like Peyton Helms, Peyton, that I don't see his future being as a tight end. Mm -hmm. They're going to be a receiver. That's just not – I mean, the tight ends that you're talking about, they're bringing in Daniel Parker and Brayden Willis and Jason Llewellyn so far, like those guys are going to have to be smash mouth knocking guys out that are going to be pulling, um, blocking. Like, I don't know if I want Caden Helms and, and Trigg taking on a six foot four, 270 pound defensive end coming downhill. That just does not, those guys' body types aren't fit for that.
2: Yeah, Trigg's just a bigger body wide receiver. And I mean, it would be really, it'd be really, really cool to have him on a roster. I'm not, not going to lie. It'd be just super cool to have that type of dude. I mean, OU is going to need more talent at the patch catcher, at, you know, at wide receiver. You know, I'm a little worried that we don't have a lot of movement on, on the wide receiver part of things for, via the portal. Uh, unless OU's just ruling really the role of these guys, you know, and kind of fully build it into hey, trust the system. It's going to get the guys open sort of thing. But having Trigg there would be extremely helpful because he's someone who does seem like he has the talent to where, you know, he's not scheme dependent to a certain degree. I mean, uh, when's the last time? I mean, it's it's been, what, a full year, maybe longer? What is? Do you think Lamb's the last wide receiver that OU's had that wasn't scheme dependent to a certain degree? Am I missing somebody?
1: No, I think, yeah, no, that's surely it. I'm just trying to think of guys before him. I guess D.D. Westbrook in 16 would probably be the only other guy that wasn't, like you can line him up anywhere and you to do anything. Yeah, I mean, West
2: Westbrook, you know, Hollywood, I, I would say Hollywood. I mean, he had the speed and, and had the body control. You could put him in kind of anywhere to a certain degree. Uh, you know, I mean, he could just get open, you know, and and had the physical ability to do that. And the physical ability to convert the catch at the end, at the end of it. Trig does seem like he has some of those tendencies. Um, I don't know if he's got, got them fully, but it would be nice to have somebody like that. It'd be nice to have another thing. But like I said earlier, he he's just like the cherry on top to a certain degree. He, he he's the guy who would he. I don't know if he himself moves the needle for this OU football team entirely. I mean, if next year rolls around, the offensive line, defensive line aren't where they need to be, it really doesn't matter that we have Michael Trick if that makes sense. And and that's kind of where I am. That's and maybe that's that's me. I've developed really good coping mechanisms. Uh, shout out to my uh, therapist, uh, but you know, maybe that's where I am uh, as a a W fan right now.
1: For sure. No, I completely get that. You mentioned uh, TCU transfer, Tyler Guyton. I, I mean, I don't remember him. I'm just going to be real and I pay, I know the big 12 roster is pretty good, but to what we've talked about before say, Oh, I don't know. I know we haven't talked about this on the Patreon and I don't know enough probably to even touch on it. Um, but the situation with Savion Bird and maybe what's going on there, like you may need to have an extra guy at tackle. Yeah. And so, um, again, I want to be careful with that. Like, we'll see what happens. I I don't know if there's anything going on more than just talk. Um, but we'll uh, we'll see. But getting a guy like that, and I think having an experienced tackle, yes, I mean Eric Swinson isn't coming back for a seventh year, boys. <laughs> And walk through that door to help you no. out when uh, when shit hits the fan. So, uh, getting a guy like that that could be that role, um, an older guy, des- definitely definitely would help. Do you remember Tyler Guyton at all?
2: Not at all. Other than his photos, he's a massive human being. Yeah, Other he's than that, big. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea at all.
1: You given Travis diacol
2: Uh, what's, what's, where are we at five running backs right now? Or
1: four? They have, they have four. I, Eric I Gray, Marcus call. Major, got Gavin Sawchuck and Javante Barnes.
2: I, I give them a call to be honest with you. I give them a call. I mean, that, that gets you to five scholarship running backs. And honestly, you know, we you know, this whole, whole year we're only running of two. and We got Marcus Major back and everyone's like, oh sweet. We can run the ball again. Um, you you probably should have about five scholarship running backs on your roster. Uh, OU did that all the way until 2020, um, and then OU, uh, running back uh, recruiting kind of fell off. Uh, but OU's had five running backs on scholarship forever. Alabama just had, I think, six. Uh, you know, Georgia had five. I mean, you need that many because you're going to have guys who go down. You get banged up. You need different complementary, different types of running backs. Um, now you could say, "Die and Gray, maybe have some overlap of abilities," but I think Die has proved himself much more than Gray has, um, and I think he'd be worth a call at least to say, "Hey, are you interested?" And then you know, if he says yes, press him. If he says no, hey, thanks for just giving you a call.
1: I'm of the belief of a scheme fit is when a scheme fit and Travis, I running downhill on inside zone and split zone is very, that idea just is very soothing to my head. And I don't know why, maybe because it's five, nine. And I don't, it doesn't look like he should be able to do what he does, but he is Mm -hmm. one of those players. Anytime Oregon's on, I'm watching them play just because like, I don't know how he does it. I mean, I know you got to see Quentin Griffin. There's a, what is it? What was the Martinez? Jacob? No Martinez, Jacob Gutierrez. Was a, a sooner lore, or sooner fan favorite of that kind of same height and variety. I just don't remember the last back that I've, it would be interesting to watch my Oklahoma for sure. That just does not look the part. And my God, when he gets the ball in his hands, it is something happens. Um, I would be giving him a call tomorrow. Now, Oklahoma's classes begin on January 18th. I don't know the drop date, add drop date. Do we have? Matt, can you look that up for us and, and chime in? I don't know when that the ad drop date is for OU. So that would make things interesting and make things go quick here. Uh wow, my voice is cracked. Make things go quick here. Um, and with Travis Dye and the situation that they're in. So I would give him a call though. Like I I don't I wouldn't hesitate. I would have called him yesterday. I wouldn't have thought about it. Okay. And that's nothing. I just I, I don't know if I've seen enough of Marcus Major to be rolling into the season with Gavin Satch. No,
2: we've seen enough of him. We've seen enough of Marcus Major to know.
1: We have.
2: We have. You should you should give God, die a call. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know who they're not going uh, to uh, be giving i I'm ahead, only seeing ahead, stuff Matt. for the fall. So I am I'm, I'm not seeing anything for uh spring semester. I'm only seeing stuff for the fall right now. So give me a second. Perfect. Well,
1: Latrobe, well, I want to add say, drop or some of his class. Go ahead.
2: I want to say real quick, Matt, we, we kind of, we blew right by this, but I'm going to need some, uh, you being a dookie and uh, potentially <laughs> OU bringing in Trey Morrison and, and him being a cornerback. And when he, uh, you know, gets burned or makes a stupid pass interference penalty, w- what are some good insults that I can toss his way from the North Carolina huh? perspective? Cause I need to understand. I need to know. I know the Tar Heels. I mean, Give me give me some of the good stuff so I can be prepared.
0: Uh, you can just pull out the uh, Michael Jordan the ceiling is the roof quote
2: because
0: okay. <laughs> um, that was just terrible. It was awful, even though it's MJ. It's still an awful quote. Um, little uh, go to hell go to hell Carolina is the is the main one, uh, which okay. that doesn't really do much for this. Uh, that's not really a sick burn or anything like that. Um, but no, give me a second. Not a second, but give me some time. We'll we'll kick up some stuff. <laughs> For sure. For sure. I teased it. We got to
1: talk about it. Mario Williams commits to USC. Latrell McCutcheon on a visit to USC. This just goes to show, Peyton that not them committing or going to USC. Um, that's not what I'm talking about here. But... Did they – do they not have the people around them? One, stop tweeting at players, people listening to this podcast, especially ones that leave. Stop doing that. But did these players not have people talking to them and advising with them and consulting with them? That's like, hey, these fans are going to be a little bit mad, so just stay offline. Well, I mean, it's –
2: I think it's a two-way street in there. Fans have the right to feel mad about something. They feel they have the right to feel hurt by it. They feel the right to be betrayed by it. At the same time, that player has a right to continue to exist, <laughs> you know, continue to be able to live their life just because he left your favorite football team. I- I'm 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 fine with it. Once he starts kind of like poking the bear and stuff like that, then I'm like, well, okay, you're inviting it. That's on your own thing now. Like you've made Yeah, you've that's made what that's bear. what
1: I was alluding to. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah.
2: Um, but it's, just, it's also the stuff, um, cause then Nick Benito kind of went after him, you know, kind of subtweeted him a little bit about, you know, you're talking all this trash about the coaches, but now you're trying to go commit to them and everything. And, and I think that only falls into the same thing that happened to a deep recruiting thing that happened to Randy Moss. He goes to FSU, right? Gets kicked off FSU. Then has to go to what school Keegan? What school did Randy Moss go to? I know it's before your time. Marshall. Marshall. If, to play with what quarterback?
1: Oh, I should know this one. He got carried. This one. He got carried down. Is it it's not Culpepper, is it? No, left
2: no, Wings, no Wings. he did not get carried. Chad Leftwich. Pennington.
1: Chad, Chad Pennington. Pennington.
2: I'll tell you Chad Pennington. Um
1: who got carried down w- the field? That, that was left foot. That was That's left, left, left what school that was, was, left left was left left that? Which. Was that Marshall?
2: Yes, I I guess so. I can't remember left which school. But it, it is. But the reason why he went to Marshall is because during the recruitment, West Virginia, which I believe is where Randy Moss is from or very close to where he's from, he wouldn't even visit them. And so then when he got kicked off, he tried to go there, I believe, and they said no. <laughs> like, he didn't even try to visit with us. And so he got stuck playing at Marshall. Clutch, I'm, I'm going to use his you know, player nickname, um, seems to have burned a lot of bridges in his recruitment that I don't think he just has a lot of places he can go. Um, And USC may be one of the only places he can go and still play quote unquote big time football. So that's the only thing. If I was an agent, I wouldn't say anything. I'd say like, Hey, these dudes are going to be mad at you. If you're okay with them tweeting at you, tweet, who cares? Like kind of what Kevin Durant's done right now. He's like, screw it. (laughs) I'm just going to tweet. If you're going to be mad at me, I I don't care. I can do this all day. But during that process, I would have said, don't, don't burn Texas staff like that. Don't, you know, don't burn the people who have the ability to actually control your career. Don't burn those people burn the fans. That's fine. I mean, they're just, I mean, at the end of the day, what can we do to him? He can just block us on Twitter. You know, (laughs) that's, that's it. You know, that's as far as our influence over him goes, but during this recruitment process, if I was an agent or I was an advisor, that'd be my number one thing is be very gracious, very gracious, be very humble when you're on these visits because it's going to there's a chance you may have to come back to these schools. You know, the people you see on the way coming up, the same people you see coming on the way down and you need to be, um, you, you need to be able to keep your options open.
1: I'm with you. I, I just, I didn't understand the poking at the bear. Like you just don't do that. Especially after you're yeah, like kind of what Nick Benito said, right? I mean, was mm-hmm. I mean, look, Latrell McCutcheon's dad was speaking for him. I mean, he said F. Al Trench, like, on Twitter and this defensive staff. Like, that yeah. was a le- legit – that is a tweet that happened. And, like, you can't – again, it just – it. it's all weird. It doesn't make sense to me. Uh, that's not to say Latrell McCutche is going to USC. We're not reporting that. We're not saying that. He was on a visit there this weekend. Mario Williams also commits to USC. Um not shocked by that at all. I think it makes a lot of sense, besides the fact that I don't know if USC is good at baseball anymore. And I know that was kind of a supposed to be a big, a big aspect of his recruitment um, with the baseball side of things. And I, again, it just none of that added up with Williams, you know, not wanting to leave, you know, wanting to go closer home, like all that fun stuff. So, regardless of that, that leaves the other domino. Left out there. And I think like I'm just tired of the buildup to the end. Like, you've got stuff coming out, like Georgia now getting involved for Caleb Williams or something, and like this and that. And it's like, he's going to USC. Like Mario Williams just told you he's going to USC. Like, can we stop? And the idea of him coming back to OU. I had someone in the business within the uh national, and I'll tell you guys after this, after the in the national college football recruiting world was like, yeah, you know, if Caleb you know, does go back to Oklahoma and I'm like, stop that, stop it. It's not happening. Like that's, it's, I mean, Caleb, someone, uh, someone tweets something about, you know, Oklahoma accepted these transfers from, you know, Kyler and Baker and Jalen and Gabriel and no big deal. And the like, Caleb Williams went, liked it because it had like, Oh, you fans. Nah, this guy's backstabbing us. And it's like, yeah, he's not coming back to Oklahoma. He never was in the first place. And it's just, it the whole thing, and I think that's what drives me the craziest the most, Peyton, is the whole thing of, like, just come out and say the truth. Your coach just lied to the media for four years straight. Like, there's all this other garbage going on. Just come out and tell the truth. From someone in my position, it would have been nice to know the truth. Because now I feel weird. Our patrons know what I'm talking
2: about. Yeah, I mean, I get where you're yeah, I get what you're saying there. And and honestly, and everyone tries to justify it. It's like, well, it's different because of these reasons. If you're having fun while you're reaping, it, you know, sometimes you're gonna have to it's that you know, tweet like while I'm reaping, hell yeah, this is fun while I'm sowing. Oh, what the fuck is this? You know, I mean, it's it's kind of where OU is right now. Um, you know, it all stems from the unprecedented idea that you know, I mean when has a coach left a blue blood program like this? So this all stems stems from that. It all has a, a ripple effect off of that, that movement, that playing. Uh, and so I think that's kind of where everything is, you know, from, from an OU fan perspective, from my perspective, it all kind of ripples out from that one key event. You know, it's like that volcano exploding and then the Oklahoma airwaves are shifting. You know, it, It's all, it all comes from one event and everything is then tainted by that one event. And if he's going to follow him, he's going to follow the 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 coach who recruited him, the coach he wanted to play for, the coach who's willing to walk on to Oklahoma to play for. This is player empowerment, player movement. You know, Just go where he wants to go. It's fine. I'd have liked it, like you said, be honest with it. But, Keegan, why would you be honest with it? You're trying to leverage NIL deals. You're trying to get as much money as you can. You're trying to you know do all that stuff. Being honest – never makes you money when it comes to leveraging other people, you know, against each other. You you have to have a little bit of salesmanship, a little bit of saying, Oh, I don't know yet. Tell me what could, you know, Hey Georgia, maybe, you know, coaches do it all the time. Call, you know, Mike Gundy does it every single year. (laughs) There's, it's a phone call. Tennessee's calling Mike Gundy for this. I mean uh, coaches do it all the time. And now players have a chance to do it. And that's just, that's just a new world that fans are going to be kind of used to. I mean, what happens if a player just gets into a portal only to impact his NIL deals at the school he's at? Like he has no, he doesn't want to leave at all. Oh, that's He happening. just enters the portal. That That's happening. And then someone yeah, comes yeah, yeah. back. I mean, that that's, that's going to be, that's going to be tough for OU fans, for college football fans entirely to be, to get used to in, in, until this stuff gets kind of uh, shaken out in that way. But as I heard, uh, Spencer Hall was on the, Bomani Jones podcast, and they talk about Bum, the Georgia stuff.
1: Bum Chillips or Chillips on Twitter, yes, right?
2: Uh, no, uh, maybe, maybe. I think yes, it's every day. Every, should be every
1: day, sh- every yeah. day should be Saturday. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Yes, Bum Chillips. Yeah, um, um, a, a national guy, you know, but but mainly SEC side of stuff. Why would a five-star quarterback go to Georgia? Because everyone can say, oh, they're just missing the five-star quarterback. They've had those guys. Kirby Smart doesn't start doesn't start them. Cause he doesn't want them. <laughs> he, he, he wants a dude who can check down and hit a wide open guy. And that's it. So why in the world, if you're a five-star quarterback, would you go to the university of Georgia? He's proven he'll just pick from and, and Bennett instead. Why would you go there? Do you think he's just going to wake up one day and say, yep, let's air it out. We're throwing it 40 times. That's not happening. Not under Kirby smart. It just seems like a, a, a very dumb career decision in my opinion would be to go to the University of Georgia if I were a high, high, high rated quarterback.
1: That's just me on the uh, whole business aspect of it. I think there's a line of where you should go and where you should not go and leaking out to a lot of people, people that's in your own camp, leaking out to them that you wouldn't go follow Lincoln Riley somewhere. Again, it just doesn't feel right. I don't like it. Um, I would comfortably say this to anybody. And I think that's probably why I will not be a great businessman someday. Anyways, on the uh, on the topic <laughs> of the portal and doing things, um, Texas, not bad. They uh, landed Jaleel Billingsley, who had some character issues at Alabama this year, didn't play at the beginning of the year because I guess he didn't care for practice, according to Nick Saban. Um, that's a perfect culture fit for the University of Texas, isn't it, mate?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, it does kind of suck to, the the Sark the Sark stuff for OU does does suck to be honest with you, from an OU perspective because it does seem like he's going to be able to pick up any and all Alabama outcast uh, that he wants, and that will only raise the talent profile of Texas. Now, if Nick Saban is getting you off the team, you're leaving the team from a Nick Saban team. That means you're trying to leave a winning program. <sighs> That, that might be, you know, a, a tightrope tight act by Texas if, if they're trying to bring in those type of players over and over again. You know, it's like the Rico thing. Like, you know, Rico's time is now, you know, that type of thing. Instead of what what, are, what do I have to do to make sure my team's winning, you know? So, I mean, maybe that's – and maybe Sark thinks he can bring that out of them and, and kind of get them in the right spot and kind of get them to play. But um, that, that's just a bit tough in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm intrigued. I, I still don't, from what I have heard what their offensive line and what they're trying to do heading into the spring, they're just, they're looking for answers, man. Like Christian Jones still started at one of the tackle spots. Like I, I, I don't get me wrong. Like I, I understand the idea of upside and athleticism Peyton, but at some point you got to, it's got to show on the field. And I, I, I still think people that believe that they could be in a good shape and, this season stepping it a little bit to too in the weeds, especially considering the fact that like don't get me wrong, I guess I guess defense doesn't matter, Peyton. It's what I learned last night on uh, through text and on social media about Alabama's chances to win the uh, national championship next year. but uh, Texas is gonna have to block Will Anderson and DJ Dale and Byron Young and Dallas Turner and they're gonna have to throw against Elias Ricks and Jordan Battle and Henry 202o. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to do that well. So, uh, regardless of that, uh, we're kind of winding up here. You guys read anything about what happened in this Dallas game at the end?
2: Uh, it does seem like some Tom Foley was afoot. So, but you guys—you watched it?
0: No, you watched it, Matt. Yeah, I have it on. I have it on my other screen, or I had it. I,
1: I saw you laughing there. at some point while it was kind of it was close to happening. On so Dallas got the ball back after they turned it over on fourth and eleven somehow and then they went down the field 50 yards and five plays and then ran to the ref. the one the ref i guess wasn't at the line of scrimmage or something and then they ran a qb draw with no timeouts Peyton, in, in 10 seconds left in the game
0: Ooh. am i correct that's Matt? i think yeah, that's, that's, right. that's absolutely we correct yeah i think there was 14 seconds left to call qb draw uh that goes down around eight seconds left um around like the 25 yard line so they'd have a good shot at the end zone um or an easier shot at least at the end zone and uh yeah the ref is just like he's trying to run as fast as he can he's back where (laughs) the ball like originally was and he's like running as fast as he can time's still going he runs into uh the center and dak (laughs) almost knocks them over while he's trying to place the ball (laughs) and then they finally get the ball placed uh, like, snapped it at zero and tried to spike it. It was just a comedy of errors. Keegan, what's There's your breakdown? Ugly what's your breakdown weekend. on a uh, QB draw with 14 seconds left, no timeouts?
1: Uh, I would advise against doing that, just like I would advise against some of the decisions that were made in a lot of football games this weekend. You guys watch what? I mean, it has been an ugly weekend of football. Uh, ugly weekend of football. Like, the Cincinnati Las
0: Vegas game was gross. I mean, there has—I don't. Know. There hasn't been a a good like. I wish I didn't watch the game guys. the game today or earlier today. The Bucks and Eagles. Jalen Hurts was bad, man. Did you notice that? Speaking of watching film and
1: knowing things, did you notice that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did nothing but force Jalen Hurts to his left? It's almost like they he knew. Had, he had to look left. He had to scramble left. He threw picks going left. It was. I, I mean, shout out to Nick Sirianni, because I'm going to say this. For He had to change who he was as a coordinator to make Jalen Hurts work and make them win football games in the league, Matt. But it caps you if you play against a team that's got the run defense of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like, watching Siaki Ika play at Baylor and then Vita, Vita Vay play for the Bucks. it's like I'm sitting here and I'm like, I am happy for an OU's sake and anybody else that plays Baylor's sake that Eko won't be like that until he's, like, 30 or, like, 28.
0: Dude, not um, only that, but, man, they have two of the best linebackers in the entire NFL, like Levante David and Devin White, man. Those two are impressive, man. For sure. No, for sure. Peyton, uh, you watch? I know you said uh, because you're a Broncos fan,
1: you don't enjoy the NFL anymore. You watch any of the games this weekend?
2: Uh, I was down in Dallas um, Earlier. Down the Nebraska Furniture Mart, built buying a kitchen table and some chairs. I stomped off at salt grass uh, and ate a um, not a good steak, but it's what my parents wanted to go to. And I was able to sneak peek a little bit of the of the Bucks equals game. And it just seems like uh Tom Brady is the best or second best quarterback in the league. And what are you gonna do? <laughs> I mean, I am not for sure what else you can do at that point in time. Uh when you're running here's up, the run here's the stat like for that. Tom.
1: Here's the stat from Tom from the day, Peyton. He had the second fastest time to throw ever. I don't know how far back it goes, but ever in the playoffs. It was like he, he was getting rid of the football in 2.19 seconds per throw. What do you he do? had, I mean, Tristan Wirfs, he has an all-pro left tackle go down. His center's hurt, and he just said, screw it. I'm just going to get rid of it to the first read every single time, if it's there or not. He told a guy to run mid-throw. Uh, I don't know if you saw that, Matt. He told, like, there was a guy on an over route across the middle of the field, and he was, like, through the football, and as he was throwing at Peyton was telling him to run faster. The guy ended up not running fast enough, but he, like, stopped or something. (laughs) Yeah, he's amazing, though. Like, it's – he is a guy that – you talk about, like, watching the game and trying to learn the game as much as, like, we are at RPM and, like, what I want to do. Like, I have grown an appreciation for Tom Brady, and it comes back to the conversation. Like, if I had a one-on-one with Spencer Rattler or ever worked with him, I would literally that would be one of the first questions I'd ask him. It's like if you watch Tom Brady play football, do you think it's boring?
0: No, yeah, because
1: I mean. if you do, it's a problem. It's a major problem. I did yeah, like. Me- uh,
0: oh, sorry, sorry, jump it, but I did like Troy Aikman. It was Troy Aikman, Joe Buck uh, on the call for that. I did like Troy Aikman. It was like, yeah, this Eagles defense is gonna be okay with them just dinking and dunking, but uh, that's like Tom Brady's bread and butter. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I mean. He's going to pick up seven yards a play if you want. That's cool. Cool with him. Yep. Matt or Peyton, you got cut off there. We're getting a little off. We're getting off base here. What,
1: uh, what were you going to say? Oh,
2: no. I, I was going to talk about it. just seemed, I, I, and that thing is, I don't know if it's, I can't find the right thing. But yeah, as you're talking about, yeah, I was going to talk maybe about the like air yards for Tom Brady and how, but the thing is, I think he's like sneakily kind of good at the air yards thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he does just kind of move the ball down the field. He manages the ball game. He can He keeps everything moving. Um, you know the and, and he 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 makes the right play almost every single time. It's the cool thing about it is, and this is going to be sad for OG fans. It's like watching uh, 2008 Sam Bradford. You know, it's just like he's a dude who's just going to. Who cares if it's the first read? If it's open, throw the football. You know, what I mean, he it's going to he's going to take that and move the ball forward that way that's how he's kind of clicking and that's how he's kind of operated his entire career, um, that people, and he does have, it's amazing, but Tom Brady does have doubters and haters out there who think, Oh, he's got lucky. He was a system guy, you know, all that type of stuff, but you know, he's been borderline great. The moment he got in there and he's just become great for, you know, 15 years now, it's just, it's, it's wild to see if you can pull it off again. I mean, we're seeing the Michael Jordan of, of, you know, of the NFL.
1: It's so interesting because he is getting better over the last two years. His last two years have been better than like the last four or five years for New England. Like it's it's insanity. He's staying healthier. He's not getting hit as much because he's getting rid of the football faster. And props mm-hmm. to him, Peyton. He he looked at the landscape of the NFL. He looked at New England and he said, Hey my best receiver has been Julian Edelman and best tight end has been Rob Gronkowski, one of the best ever, but my mm-hmm. best receiver is Julian Edelman. Oh, they've got Mike Evans. Oh, they've got, uh, uh, what's the other guy God, they got Chris Godwin. I mean, mm-hmm. you get Antonio Brown. I thought he was going to call Antonio Brown at halftime today and say, Hey, you need to get your ass over to the, over <laughs> the field. Cause we need some help. Um, but now he, uh, that's a guy talking, that's a guy who's made some wise decisions in his career to lengthen his career as well as also get better. And it's admirable. Uh, It inspires me a lot. We missed anything? Matt, we figured out uh, what the the drop date is for the spring?
0: Yes. Yes, we did, actually. So this is the one I'm looking at here. Um, The final day to register or add a class without permission of instructor. I'm guessing that's the final, like, final, final day. Uh, January 21st. Oh, it's this week.
1: Yeah, no. January 21st. That takes some of the airs out of some of our conversations earlier in this pod. But if you've made it this far in the podcast, January 21st is so close, added drop date. And if you've made it the final one, um, I believe they've been club, they begin classes after Martin Luther King King Junior Day, um, which is tomorrow. They begin classes on Tuesday. They can add drop to the 21st. That's for all the transfers. Uh, still waiting on word from Jackson Dart, Michael Trigg, Jackson Player, while we recording the podcast. The defensive lineman from Tulsa went to Baylor. He is from Waco. So you're still waiting word on guys like Trey Morrison, Payton, Connie Walker, the DB from Louisville, um, a couple other guys like Dart, Trigg, uh, Tyler Guyton, offensive lineman from TCU. Uh, we covered all of that. you guys have made it this far in the podcast, thank you guys for listening if you guys are listening on your platform like Spotify, which now has comments, ratings, uh, you guys can go review it. You can subscribe to it. We'd love for you to do that. We'd love to have you at patreon.com slash through the keyhole as well. Uh, guys, I think that's it. I don't think we've we touched on literally everything we possibly could over the last hour or so of, of things that have happened the last week. Maybe besides the analysts that have joined in, but I would imagine we're going to hear that, that staff, the support staff is going to get filled out over the coming weeks. And we can touch on that another time for Matt, for Peyton, for all through the keyhole. Thank you guys for listening. Boom.